Uh, my name is Brian Fillingham. I am the Minister of Discipleship here at Spring Valley Baptist Church. I am not the lead pastor. Our lead pastor is out on vacation this week and has given me the honor to fill the pulpit. As you may know, as you've heard in the weeks past, um, Robert has shared with you that we have a multitude of things going on, and, and first and foremost is as a church, as a church staff, uh, we have been working together with uh, with organizations statewide and even locally in our in our own association to focus what we do to become more intentional as a church and to really discover and drill down on why God has placed us where He has placed us in Northeast Columbia, and so. The last several weeks, actually the last maybe couple months, um, when Robert speaks with you, he always shares with you the mission of the church. And I, I think that's a great place to start, no matter what the service is, no matter what the sermon is. And so I want to start with that. We exist here in Northeast Columbia to connect people with Christ. You see, it's a priority for us as a church to identify, to reach, to engage, to communicate with those that are far from Christ and introduce them to Christ. That is a difficult thing for us to do as a church because it's a difficult thing for us to do as individuals, right? We can't, uh, for me particularly, I'm here day in and day out. You are probably here two or three times a week. It's difficult to make a priority of being around people that don't know Christ so that we can introduce them to Christ. But that's what we feel like we are called to do as a church is first and foremost connect people with Christ. Secondly, once they come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, once they give their lives to Christ and recognize that Christ has paid their debt and has purchased them with a price, we as a church prioritize growing in faith and coming together in discipleship and and maturing together as we become more and more like Christ. And then finally, as we've grown in our faith, as we've strengthened in our fellowship with the Lord, we are called by Scripture to go and to serve and disciple. So connecting with Christ, growing in faith, going to serve and disciple, that is what we are about as Spring Valley. That is what we are in a transition to focus and drill down on. But anytime you're in a transitional time, what's What's another word for transition? Transition's a fluffy word. What's another word for transition? Change. Absolutely. And when change comes, oftentimes, even if it's necessary, as it is here, to reach those far from Christ, to grow in faith, and to go to serve and disciple, anytime change is introduced into any of our lives, it's difficult. It can be frustrating. It can create anxiety. It can create this whole idea that, hey, we've never done that before. We don't do it like that. That's not our traditional way. Whatever the case is, it stirs the waters. And if we're not careful, it can introduce division into the bride of Christ. And so this morning, I want to take a a quick look at the idea that we, as Spring Valley Baptist Church, that we are one. It was an important issue. Unity was an important issue to Christ himself. In John 17, he's praying for his disciples, those that he's been ministering to and with over the last three years. And then in verse 21, he transitions and he begins to talk about us. He begins to talk about those that are going to come to know him and come to follow him through his current disciples. So he begins to pray about us and he passionately prays 
that we would be one as the Son and the Father are one. Because we know from Scripture that to know the Son, to know Christ Jesus, is to know the Father. And so Jesus petitions his Father in prayer, in passionate prayer, for the generations that are going to follow. And he asks his Father, I want my people, I want the church to be so united that it resembles the relationship that Christ has with his own Father. In other words, to know the church, to know you as a follower of Christ, is to know God. What does that reflection look like in your life? Are you reflecting Christ, that they would know God through Christ? So I figured that's a good place to start. If it's an important thing to Jesus, maybe we could study it and take a brief moment to look at that. So uh, we look at Paul. And throughout Paul's letters, if, you, if you're not familiar with it, Paul wrote letters uh, over and over to these churches, to these missions that he was passionate about, that he loved, that he wanted to encourage, and he wanted to challenge. And uh, one of his letters is to the church at Philippi. The church at Philippi, that was his first church. It's the first church that he ever planted. It's the first church that God ever, through the power of the Holy Spirit, worked through Paul to draw people to him. So the church at Philippi had a special place in Paul's heart. Paul was uniquely attached to that church and loved that church deeply. And that church, in turn, desperately loved Paul. And so chapter 1 in Philippians chapter 1 begins with Paul sharing his story. And it's not a story of living in mansions. It's not a story of wealth and prosperity. It's a story of persecution. It's a story of imprisonment. It's a story of struggle. In our culture today, we would say Paul is probably not living his best life. Right? Paul is struggling. And Paul is fighting. And Paul is putting up with all the different persecutions that are coming at him. But Paul tells the, the church at Philippi, he says, but hey, but hey, I, I may be in prison I may even be looking towards death, but the message of the gospel is going forth. The kingdom is growing. And so he uses that kind of to launch off into this idea that the church is one. And so we pick up in Philippians 1, 27, and we'll read through Philippians 2, 16. Paul says to the church at Philippi, and then by extension to us, only let your manner of life be worthy of of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not fighting in any, but, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction and of your salvation that is from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaging in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love. Being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, 
which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but instead made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain Or labor in vain. So Paul jumps into this idea, this speech of unity, of being one. And he begins with the idea, the reality that we are one in the gospel. Verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm, one in spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Because you see, what happens in the gospel, the whole essence of the gospel is that Christ himself steps out of heaven, leaves the throne room of God, humbles himself to be his, part of his creation. Not only that, but humbles himself to the point of the worst possible execution in the world at that time, which was hanging on a cross. He humbles himself all the way there for one reason, for one reason, and that's to pay the sin debt that you and I owed. He stepped out of heaven, lived 33 years of perfection, led him to the cross, died a humiliating, painful death so that he could bridge the gap between God's ultimate creation and God himself. He paid the debt that we could not pay. 2 Corinthians 2 says, I believe it's 2 actually, 2 Corinthians 5 says, He being God made him, being Jesus, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Christ's sacrifice gave us, cleansed us white as snow, and now we can stand in right standing in righteousness before the creator God because of the sacrifice of Christ. So Christ's sacrifice gave us righteousness. Romans eight seventeen also reminds us that Christ's sacrifice adopted us into a family. We became counted as children of the king, co-heirs, with Christ is what scripture calls it. Co-heirs with Christ. Can you imagine 
Christ steps out of heaven. He leaves his rightful place, steps into his creation, only to die for his creation, and we become co-heirs of Christ. We stand in right standing and righteousness before our creator God because of Christ, not because of my excellence, not because I went to church enough times, not because I went to life groups, not because I got into a D group, because Christ died for me. He bestowed on us his righteousness. We became adopted into the family of God as co-heirs with Christ. And then Matthew twelve fifty says, Jesus says, whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. We are one as a body of Christ. We are one as believers. We are one in the gospel. Moving on into chapter 2, verses 1, I believe 1 through 4, we are one in fellowship. Paul says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant Then yourselves, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul, to me, is is saying here, if you've experienced the benefit of walking with your Lord, if you've experienced the benefit of participating in the Spirit, letting the Spirit work through you, if you've been encouraged, if you've been comforted, if if you've found counsel in the Spirit... That fellowship that we've been afforded through the sacrifice of Christ should then overflow to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to the family of Christ. He calls for the church at Philippi to be of the same mind and the same love, full accord and one mind, to do nothing out of conceit but instead out of humility to move forward. Over the last several weeks, I've, been, I've had the pleasure of, of leading a, a, a very small group in a marriage study, and this marriage study is do, done by Les and Leslie Parrott, uh, and, and, and this couple was talking about, they were flying from uh, one location, one speaking engagement to another, and they were out, up, I guess, up in Alaska somewhere, and they were flying a little puddle jumper. You know what a puddle jumper is? A little, you know, just a tiny little plane, and, um, and Les was nervous. He'd never been on a plane this small. And he said the plane was so small that he could reach up and tach, tap the pilot on the shoulder. And so he did. He tapped the pilot on the shoulder and he said, okay, we've taken off successfully. Um, do you mind sharing with me what is the, what is the recipe for a successful landing? Because I'm a little nervous. There's a tiny little plane. It feels like we're just going to fall out of the sky. And the pilot says, oh yeah, that's simple. The recipe for a successful landing is finding the right attitude in spite of atmospheric conditions. Finding the right attitude in spite of atmospheric conditions. And Les quickly piped up and said, attitude, don't you mean altitude? You got to find the right altitude. You got to come in at the right angle. And he said, no, 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 I'm talking about attitude. In aviation, the right attitude, an attitude of a plane is in relation to how the plane is pitched, pitched forward, backward, side to side in relation to the horizon. And he said, when you're coming into a landing, you may have crosswinds, you may have headwinds, you may have tailwinds, but you've got to get that plane in the right attitude in relationship to the horizon so that you can land it safely 
in spite of everything else that's going on around you, everything else that you can't control. He said, because you can't circle around over and over and over until you have ideal conditions. You have to put the plane down. You have to do it correctly. You have to do it safely. And so finding the right attitude in spite of atmospheric conditions is everything. That is the recipe for a successful landing. And I think here in chapter 2, Paul is talking about finding the right attitude for the believers despite or in spite of atmospheric conditions. No matter what's going on around us, is our world feel like it's crumbling and it's crazy? Absolutely. Does it feel like God's been snatched out of every part of our community? It sure does. Can we control that? Not really. But do we serve a God that will see us through it? Yes. Do we serve a God that has called his church to be a light in the dark? Absolutely. And the darker, the darker it gets, the brighter we shine. It's all about your attitude in spite of atmospheric conditions and finding that right attitude. So we are one in the gospel. We are one in fellowship. And finally, we are one in purpose. Look back with me to chapter 1, verse 27. He says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Paul says, remember, remember, you are united under the banner of Christ, under the banner of the gospel. You are united in fellowship with God himself and with one another, and you are united in purpose. And our purpose, we know from Scripture, our purpose is to go and to make disciples. That begins with evangelism. That begins, like we begin with our mission statement, with connecting people to Christ. It continues with growing in our faith and going to serve and disciple. That entire mission statement is what it looks like for us as Spring Valley Baptist Church to make disciples connecting people with Christ, growing in faith, and going to serve and disciple. Chapter 2, verses 14 14 through 16, he says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Is our generation crooked and twisted? Absolutely it is. We see it played out in so many different ways. In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. I love that phrase, holding fast, because when you think about it just without even diving into it, holding fast is this imagery of, of grasping onto the word of life and never letting go. Grasping on to the truth and never letting go. If you look further into the original Greek word that we translate holding fast, it could be translated as holding out or offering up. Paul is saying the way that you shine as a bright light in a crooked and twisted generation is that you hold out the gospel, the truth, the word of life. You extend it out. You hold it out. We as a church will never 
ever, ever compromise the gospel. There are a lot of things that will change through, in, through this world and through the life of this church, but the gospel is not one of them. The gospel is true, just as true as it was when Christ gave his life for us, just as true today. That will never be compromised, but what things will change are things that require us to adapt to a culture that doesn't know Christ, to a culture that is far from Christ, a culture that is wicked, a culture that is twisted. So this morning, I want to ask you, I want to remind you, as we move towards God's desire for us as a church, as we begin to filter through and as we begin to sift through, and basically this is the process that we will be going through, is looking at what we do as a ministry and saying, man, this is a bunch of good stuff. This is, this is wonderful. And for a second, we can pat ourselves on the back and say, we do a lot of good stuff. And then we get down to it. We get down to business and we say, what good stuff can we make great and what good stuff is standing in the way of greatest, the greatest thing? which is making disciples. And so I'll I'll just tell you that change is coming. Transition is coming, but it's coming for a purpose. It's coming so that we as Spring Valley Baptist Church, as this local gathering of believers, will focus what we do and become more intentional and more disciplined in the process of making disciples and reaching those that are far from Christ. Be reminded this morning that we are one in the gospel, that we are one in fellowship, and that we are one in purpose. That purpose is connecting with Christ, growing in faith, and going to serve and disciple. This morning, if you have a decision to make Maybe you've never heard the gospel. Maybe that is, that is brand new to you. That is a, an amazing thing. And I pray and I hope that you will step out and say, you know what? Christ has died for me and I want to step into that right relationship with God himself. If that's your decision this morning, I will be down front and would love to talk to you more about that. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I haven't found a church family, a local gathering of believers that I can be one with, that I can unite my, my talents and my efforts with, my heart with. Welcome home. I would love to come and talk, to, talk with you this morning. And maybe it's just something that you, you just feel like, you know what? I've got a lot of stuff going on. My plate is full, and I feel like I'm just missing the boat. I feel like I'm just missing the mark. I've got a lot of things going on. The altar and the steps here are always open for your prayer. Let me pray with us, and then we will continue on with our decision time. Dear Lord, I do thank you that, Lord, indeed, you have made us You have adopted us through Christ's sacrifice into your family. Lord, we are standing in your presence. We have have been afforded the blessing to talk with God the Father. We don't need a priest. We don't need an intermediary. We have Christ Jesus. Lord, we pray during this time, Lord, that you will stir our hearts that you will call us to action, and that you will give us the courage to step into that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.